0: What's going on, Zoe Church? How's everybody doing today? Good. I hope you're doing well. Um, Go ahead and take a second right now. Drop it in the chat. Which song spoke to you the most? We did four beautiful, powerful songs. Which song was just, what was a word that God was giving you today? A word that you could hold on to? A word that you could say, you know what, Jesus? I want to hold on to this promise that you have promised me. What, what, what song was it? Go ahead, put it in the chat right now. Was it Build My Life? Was it Authority? Was it Still? Was it Fix Our Eyes? Um, uh, an, a Zoe original song? Wh- wh- which song was it that spoke to you powerfully? It was For me today, it was Still, man. Like That was a powerful song. That was a song that uh, uh, in the Zoe worship group chat that we had. Somebody dropped the video of uh, still being done in this new way, this really cool new lead. But just the power of the words and just being able to be in the presence of God with that song, uh, uh, going along with the series that we have uh, today and that we've been in is just a powerful, powerful uh, song. So that's that was mine, and I hope you were able to share yours in the chat as well. My name is Ruben. I'm the pastor here at Zoe Church. And if you happen to just be joining Joining us from wherever you happen to be, whatever you're doing right now, so glad that you are here today. I pray that today's message, that today's word, that song, prayer, uh, word that that it would all just be a blessing to you, that you'd be encouraged, Um, and that if you're kind of in this place, kind of like in this lull zone where you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing, where I'm going. I pray that you would find uh, not only a true and, and a genuine community here at Zoe, but that you would find purpose that you would find vision, that you would, in fact, find life in Jesus Christ. In fact, that is the reason why our name is Zoe. You ever wondered, what kind of name is it? Zoe? It's like, what does that mean? Well, it actually is a Greek word that we just took from a, uh, a verse that Jesus had spoken, where he says, listen, I have come to give you abundant Zoe abundant life. That's what that word means. That's what we believe here at Zoe. A true life is found in Jesus Christ, in his words, in his, and in who he is, in his presence. And so, join me as I pray and we jump into today's word. Father God, thank you so much for the blessing to be able to worship you. To be able to uh, just sing those words of affirmation that we want to build our lives on you. That you are the cornerstone, the firm foundation, the solid rock of life that without you all things will fail and fall, but with you, that is where true life is found. And so Jesus, I pray even today as we jump into your word, as we talk about, you know, These topics and these ideas uh, that, that we struggle with every single day, help us to build our lives on you. Help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to be still in your presence and to know, Lord Jesus, that by your authority all things will happen. And that we can submit to that. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Today we are continuing our series called Tranquility of the Soul. Part four, and today we are going to be talking about unforgiveness. I don't know how that word actually makes you feel. I I don't there are many different camps when it comes to this topic. Some people that kind of recognize, man, I don't really want to have unforgiveness in my heart. And they're open to that conversation, you know. Some people who are like, don't touch that. That's my no-no square. Don't talk about bitterness. Don't talk about unforgiveness. I'm angry. I'm justified. I got a reason for it. Or if you're kind of like, unforgiveness, say what? Like, you don't even know. Like, what are you talking about, unforgiveness? I just forget. Isn't that really what forgiveness is all about? No, that's not what it's about. But I'm glad that you're here so that we can talk about it and figure out what it is. Because the series is Tranquility of the Soul. And really what that means is we went through this proverb in Scripture. And this proverb talked about how true tranquility comes from the heart. comes from the soul. And, and true life is found from a tranquil soul. But where disorder and dismay is found is when from the, in, from the inward part of our being, we're just not at peace. And then we find that we're reactionary, we're quick to get angry, quick to hate people, quick to get jealous, you know, controlled by shame and controlled by fear. But really all the roots of, of that come from what's going on within. And so we've been focusing on Man, how do we get to the place of finding uh, uh, Jesus and finding peace and being able to become tranquil on the inside so that we can find true life in Jesus? And so as we're in that, unforgiveness is actually one of the biggest hurdles we face to finding peace within our hearts. Unforgiveness, I want to make a big statement here, unforgiveness is like the poison we drink, hoping that it would hurt someone else. And especially with non-confrontational people, this becomes even worse. Because with people who are naturally, you know, uh, prone to non-confrontation, they don't like, you know, being in those uneasy conversations. They don't like talking about their problems. They're like, just throw it under the rug. I don't really want to talk about my issues. They passionately avoid exactly what they need to be doing, which is better communication. And so what happens? I know every single one of you out there have faces at some point in your life where you've been in a situation exactly like this. Somebody hurt you with their words, with their actions, with something. Somebody hurt you. You didn't say anything in the moment because maybe it wasn't the right time to say it. And so you know what? You didn't say anything in the moment. Or... It was the right time to say it. It was just you and them. you were like, I totally can tell them, hey, listen, that was not necessarily the nicest thing to say. But you didn't say that. Instead, you chickened out. You got scared. You didn't like the confrontation. You didn't want to deal with it. You didn't even want to talk about it. You didn't even just want to like have a healthy conversation about it. And so you avoided the whole topic because you're like, I don't need another person to hate me. I don't need another fight. I just, I don't want to deal with that. And so you kind of just left it. But what they said or what they did, it did hurt you. It was like a blow to the gut. You know what I'm talking about? And now it's become the only thing that you've been able to think about. Everything that you do, you wake up, you're thinking about it. You go to sleep, you're thinking about it. Sometimes you lose sleep because you're still thinking about the thing that they said or did or might have said or might have done. And then what happens? Your thoughts start spiraling, spiraling out of control, right? Right? In fact, they spiral so crazy out of control that you start assuming things. You start thinking, yeah, well, this is what they actually meant or this is what they actually thought when you have now no idea of those things. You're just guessing. And so what's happened now is you've gone from something someone might have done, might have said, might have meant that did hurt you, that that the way you perceived it definitely hurt you. And because you didn't clarify, you didn't address this in a healthy way, you didn't address it immediately the way it should have been addressed. Now, this has become this huge hurdle of hurt and pain that you have manifested in your own head that has led to unforgiveness and bitterness in your soul. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Ask yourself a real question right here. Is there one person whom if you were in the grocery store shopping and you saw them, you would do everything in your power to make sure you don't recognize them or you don't lock eyes with them? Because you're like, bro, I don't want to deal with that. Dealing with situations like this leave us in a way worse place than we if, if we were to deal with it from the beginning. See, these thoughts... These thoughts are just absolutely awful, and they don't allow us to live with a clear conscience. They, in fact, hinder our relationship with Jesus, because inwardly, we know that we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus, and we should have spoken out immediately. We should have cleared the air. We should not be holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness but instead we ran away from that conversation. And now we're left all by ourselves, sulking, self-pity, maybe like just kind of building the whole like the world is against me idea. Or even worse, you've gone to a few of your friends and you started to tell them about what happened when really it's based on a whole bunch of lies and assumptions and thoughts And now you've gotten a whole group of people who are hating this one person when it's like, it was so misunderstood. And so rather than doing the healthy thing, now there are a whole bunch of people who are riled up with you, filled with anger and hate and unforgiveness and bitterness, and they don't even really know why. Ever happened to you before? Harboring bitterness is so hurtful on the inside. In fact, they've done studies about how these mental states will affect our physical, like, our physical being. Like, some of you are a little bit more aware than others of how these things kind of trigger you, but for some people, appetite's lost. For some people, you know, it's, it's the capacity to, to comprehend things. You know, there, there are physical things that actually, like, like, like the stress level rises. And we start to feel a lot more anxious about so many things in our life when we have these kinds of areas in our life where we're like, oh, I've not forgiven this person about the situation, or I'm bitter. And all of that started with, well, he we didn't really approach the issue the right way. If I were to give you a few words for how I would identify this, it's a huge emotional mess. Would you say so? A huge emotional mess all because of Somebody's approach, unhealthy handling of a situation. Now, for others, unforgiveness and bitterness is not necessarily stemming from this kind of like place. For others, you actually might have approached the entire situation in a healthy way. Maybe it was your upbringing, and maybe it was like whatever. But maybe you approached it the right way. Like you've talked about it. Somebody said something to you. You cleared the air. You cleared the misunderstandings. Apologies were uh, exchanged, and yet. Once you leave, you know within there's still some unforgiveness. You know within that you're still harboring some bitterness and some anger towards that person. That what they did to you was so deeply hurtful, you tell yourself, that you just can't let go. You you just can't let go. And so you rage on in anger inwardly while externally you put on a face just to keep everything at bay and what we've been learning in this series tranquility of the soul is that true tranquility comes from within it starts from the heart and emotionally healthy people which is by the way a huge responsibility for us as disciples of jesus because we're not just spiritual disciples of Jesus. We're physical disciples, emotional disciples. We are disciples as a whole. And so we have to have a handle even on our emotions. We can't just say whatever. It doesn't work like that. And so emotionally healthy people, which is what our goal should be, they learn how to manage what's going on the inside while being authentic and respectful on the outside as well. It's a crucial lesson to learn How to be true to your feelings, not lying to yourself. Being respectful to all people, because nevertheless you should still respect all people. And yet, not letting your feelings dictate or control or take charge of your life. Learn to be true to your feelings, understand them, recognize them. But learn to also show everybody the respect that they are due and not letting those feelings Take charge and dictate where you're going to go and how you're going to respond. It's a crucial lesson that we have to learn. And so, the question then for us today is this what do we do? What do we do when we get to those places? Because we've all been to those places. What do we do when we get to those places where I'm like, ah, I know I have not forgiven that person? I know that I'm holding on to this. I know that I am growing bitter on the inside. What do we do? Well, the best person to go to is Jesus. God in the flesh dealt with all sorts of emotions, never sinned, and led his life sinlessly, perfectly. He, in fact, talks about this. And so that's where I want you to turn today. And that's, in fact, where we're going to be over the next two weeks today and next week, because, yes, It's going to be a two-parter for this conversation. It's just that important. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 15. We're going to start there. And um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a setting before we kind of jump in. Jesus was teaching to a large uh, crowd. And he spoke about many themes while he was here. One of the themes being dealing with conflict. Dealing with conflict and unforgiveness. Now my first point before I even jump to the passage, as I was doing study about unforgiveness, the way Jesus phrases this and the way Jesus sets this up is that he first shares the importance of learning to deal with conflict before he even jumps to the importance of learning to forgive and not let unforgiveness and bitterness grow and, and just kind of like be unhealthy on the inside. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus this week on learning to manage uh, a conflict, learning how to deal with conflict in a healthy way where when when we're in those situations that usually catch us off guard. When somebody has said something to hurt us, when somebody's done something that's hurt us, how do we approach it in a manner that honors Jesus? How do we do that in a manner that will lead us to success at the end. Because so often, it just either, uh, 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 it's, it's either one of two things, either flight or flight, right? It's either fight, yeah, you just you keep yelling at each other and you get nowhere, or you flee, you run away, you take flight. It's like, I just I'm gonna avoid that person, never gonna talk to that person. And so we gotta first talk about how to deal and manage with conflict before we can even get to unforgiveness, because this is what my first point is. Unforgiveness stems from two major places I find. Number 1, selfish thoughts, and number 2, bad conflict management habits. Number 1, selfish thoughts. We took a look at last uh, look at it last week how the heart is the central issue that our heart's natural tendency is sinful and selfish, to consider me first and to not consider others significant more than ourselves. And we looked at what God's words to that is last week. How he encourages us to consider others more significant than ourselves. But when we do this, our mindsets become self-absorbed, all about our pride and ego. Nobody can ever say anything wrong about us or disagree with us. And that is not the thinking of Jesus. And so selfish thoughts lead us to holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness and I have my right and I demand my apologies and this is what people need to give me. And then second is bad uh, conflict management habits. Sometimes it's our inability to deal with conflict in a healthy way that leads us to these fights and lead, leads us to unforgiveness on the inside. As a society today, we have bad uh, conflict management habits. It's It's just... Straight up, we we do. Some obviously are better than others. Some people are a lot better at learning how to communicate and have better conversations and clearly articulate the the, the conversation to help uh, manage conflict. But for the most part, we are really bad at it. I used to be extremely bad at managing conflict. Because our tendency is typically fight or flight. And our culture and our family and the way of life enforces this as we observe them. That either we argue at the store with the cashier or, you know, flip the bird as we're driving to the guy beside us, right? Or we just flee. We just run away because we're scared of what's going to happen if we try to address the conflict. And so all of this I say to get to this one point that Jesus preambles unforgiveness with learning to deal with conflict in a healthy way. And that's the same thing what I want to do as well. Because if we learn how to deal with conflict in a healthy way as a church, it will set us on a strong foundation. It will help us to learn how to love our neighbors and love our church in this deeper way that is God-honoring. Because forgiveness and dealing with conflict are directly related. And that if we're able to deal with them, it might be a little bit of discomfort to start with. It's not gonna be the most comfortable thing to go and try and address someone who actually has you know, hurt you on the inside or at least you've perceived hurt. But sometimes love is uncomfortable. And if you're willing to go and love someone enough to share and be, genuinely authentic even though you're feeling hurt that's what unconditional love looks like fam love isn't just about being nice sometimes it's about being honest and so that's what we got to learn what conflict management looks like because that's what's going to help us to avoid all those times when we live with unforgiveness and bitterness on the inside. So that, that sounds like a plan, all right? So that's where I'm going to jump in today. Give you your Bibles, make sure you turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. This is what Jesus says. Again, he's preaching on the theme, uh, and before he gets to forgiveness, literally, verses right before he says this. He says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take to one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. I'm going to give you seven points to healthy habits to dealing with conflict, okay? My seven points to healthy habits to dealing with conflict. Let's go with that first verse, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, if someone has hurt you, if someone, if you, if you have a quarrel or, or, or you, you have that discomfort with someone, when someone's like, you know what, whether it's a third party has told you about something that somebody said to you and so it's like, you feel like that person has done something to you. Or whether it was somebody that, you know, actually said something that you heard with your own ears, you know, and you're like, well, that's offensive to me or that, you know, rubs me the wrong way. Whatever it may be. However, if someone has sinned against you, somebody's hurt you, go and tell him his fault. The first point that Jesus makes is to have a conversation. But I'm gonna give you two points to help you before you get to this. Point number one, to having healthy habits, to dealing with conflict, ask yourself a clarifying question. Point number one, ask yourself a clarifying question. And what the question that you have to ask yourself is, this is always the same question, it doesn't change, okay? It's really simple, got to keep it simple, right? Because in those moments when we're heated, uh, we, uh, thinking that sometimes goes out the window, okay? Ask yourself a clarifying question. Is there a possibility that you have misunderstood what he did or said? Is there a possibility that you have misunderstood what he or she, you know, did or said? Is there a possibility Usually, that answer is yes, almost always that answer is yes, because even if somebody basically just like, you know, says something in my vicinity or towards me, sometimes I may not even understand the perception or the, 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 the assumption or the, 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 the reason for why they said what they said. Maybe they misunderstood something and what they said was not even called for. Maybe they thought I did something to them which wasn't true at all. Like, like, usually this answer, usually this answer is yes. To say, you know what, there is even a hairline, you know, of a doubt where I might have misunderstood what they might have said. There is a chance, and so if that question is a yes, you go to number two. Point number two, clarify your intentions. Number one, Ask yourself a clarifying question. Number two, clarify your intentions. And what you gotta do is you gotta answer another question, which is do you desire to make things right if that's possible? Do you desire to make things right if that's possible? Now, those of you who are listening who are not followers of Jesus, I can't really force you or implore you to to consider that question. In the end, you gotta decide what you want to do. But as Christians, as Jesus followers, Let me just tell you, this is a mandate by Jesus. When he calls us to live peaceably with everyone, if there is even a slight possibility to fix things or to make things right, that we've misunderstood something, it's our responsibility to to make the initiative. It's our responsibility. If, If there's a chance that we can make things right, we have to take that chance. It might be uncomfortable. But like I said, we're called to love, fam. And if we are called to love one another, that might be a little uncomfortable, but the most loving thing may be just to be honest and real. Whether you're right or whether you're wrong, drop the pride. Because relationship is way more important than that. So number two, you ask yourself, a sorry, you clarify your intentions. By, by answering the question, do you want to make things right if that's possible? And as followers of Jesus, I believe our answer should always be yes. That if there's a possibility, let's take it. That's when we jump to what Jesus is saying. And really what these two questions do is it brings you to a, 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 a frame of mind where you're able to understand that you know what? It, it's, it's a selfless frame of mind, really. It's, I'm not going to just focus everything on what I've thought or what I've deemed right. I'm going to give myself a different perspective and sometimes all we need is just a little bit of a different perspective to be able to say, you know what, I'm willing to have a conversation. I'm willing to have a conversation. So that's where we go. Point number three is exactly what Jesus is saying. Have a conversation when he says, Go and tell him his fault. Go and have a conversation with that person. I know some of you are like, I don't like to, I don't know how to have conversations, etc. 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 Let me tell you three things that you have to do. Okay, however you word this, these are three steps that you have to do in having a conversation. One, explain what you understand. Explain what you understand. Be like, Listen, this is what I understand. That way, it's not, This is what you did. Never go in accusing someone. Nobody ever likes that and they don't actually know. They kind of like, they get defensive and that's not the best way to deal with conflict. You're not gonna get to that successful, uh, 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 peaceful end. Go in just explaining what you understand or what you've been told. Two, express how you feel, not how they made you feel. Because I know it's easy and I do this as well and I'm still working on this on my own personal life with my wife and she'll tell you, right? Don't go in saying, you did this to me, bro. Like, you know, "Mm, it's not gonna work like that. You go in and saying, hey, listen, when I was told this, or when I thought this is what you did, when I thought this is what you did, you actually give them the benefit of the doubt. Then you say, this is how it made me feel. You expressed how you felt, but you didn't jump with the assumption that, well, you did it, and this is how I felt about it. It's, listen, this is what may have happened, I don't know, not going to jump to that yet, but this is how it made me feel. And then number three, you ask another important question. You say, could you please help me understand? Leave it at that. You don't need to ask anymore. Could you please help me understand? And let them share. Whether it's, maybe maybe there was a misunderstanding. Most of the time, by the way, there was a misunderstanding. Most of the time. I've been a pastor for a few years now. Most of the time, it's misunderstanding. Sometimes it's, I hate you, it's intentional. In that case, you can't really do much. You can say, listen, I'm sorry that you feel that way, right? And you can say, well, if that's what you mean, then you know, you gotta isolate yourself from people that are like, I'm just gonna throw hate on you, intentionally. But most of the case, it's almost never like that. It's usually, there was misunderstanding, there was miscommunication, and somebody got hurt because of all of this. And what this process is supposed to help you do is help you get to the root of the issues. Because so often, there's an issue that you have with someone, but you make the person the issue. You don't deal with the issue, you deal with the person as if they are the issue. And that's when we struggle. This goal is to not make the person the issue, it's to actually address the real issue so you can continue a healthy relationship with that person. So, point number three is have a conversation with those three crucial questions. Point number four is what Jesus says next. After he says, go tell him his fault, what does he say? Between you and him alone. Church, this is so important. Please, let's put this into practice. Keep it between the two of you if possible. If you have an issue with someone, if someone has said something, and that, or did something, or you were told of something, don't even gossip. Uh, to that, back to that person. Go straight to that person and follow the steps that I said. Have a conversation. Keep it between, now, now I say if possible, keep it between the two of you, if possible, because there are times when it may not be entirely possible. I think of a few situations, one, if you have a wife that has been abused at home and she's talking about abuse, but, there, but she's like, I wanna try and settle this, I wanna have a conversation if I can, it might be healthier to have another person in the room. I think of another situation where it might be a situation between a guy and a girl, and it's not healthy for a guy and a girl, uh, uh, basically people of opposite sexes to be in the same room and to try and deal with situations like this all by themselves in isolation, not the safest. I would include someone that you trust into that conversation. But if possible, keep it between the two of you. That way, two things. Number one, you don't have to deal with someone's pride and ego because usually what happens, people's pride and ego, especially the person that's done the hurting, right? They can't deal with it. They're not okay with it. And now you're not only facing the uphill battle of trying to have a conversation with a person, but now you're facing the extra hurdle and the extra barrier of now their pride's in their way because there's somebody else in this conversation. Uh, If you can avoid that, avoid that as well. And then the second part to that is you can avoid gossip. Because listen, the church is not a hospital for those who are ready to be in the museum, but really, uh, sorry, the church is not a place for a museum, but it's more like a hospital where it's people full broken and we're all a mess and we're still trying to get better and be more like Jesus. I get it. In the church, sometimes gossip gets around and we have to cut that down. We have to cut that out. But wisdom says, if I can try and avoid going around and telling people about my issues and about my struggles with that person, with that person, with that person, you're going to cut out the gossip that goes around, which is so unhealthy in a church. And so that's why if you have a struggle with one, with one person, you're able to just go and talk to them, do that. Keep it between the two of you if possible. He continues there, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. In other words, if he listens to you, awesome, you guys have won. You guys have, you know, articulated, had a healthy way to actually deal with your conflict. You have won together, and you've won a relationship back, which is what that means. But verse 16, Jesus continues, because we know these kinds of things are way more complicated than that. He says, but if he does not listen to you, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses, Point number five, involve trusted people. If you can't settle the issue between the two of you alone, I would recommend involving a trusted person. Agree upon it together and involve a third party, maybe two other people who are two trusted individuals. I would encourage you as people who are part of Zoe Church, begin with involving me as your pastor or Dora as well, who also watches over our church. That's what I would start with. I would start with two individuals. It, you can also, you know, go and talk to the core team or you can talk to, you know, um, uh, whoever else are, are, are in, in, in positions of trust and be like, hey, you know, I know that in terms of relationship, you would be actually great to be able to help us maneuver through this conversation. Would you be willing to be a trusted person and help us, like, dialogue through this because we're struggling with something? But involve trusted people if necessary, that way, you have an unbiased point of view coming in, whose goal is to see both of you win, and that way they're there to help you uh, uh, manage through the conflict. And then he says, and which is my point number six, and we continue, verse 16, um, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. But verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to, to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector. I know some of that seems kind of harsh, so let me explain this. My point number six is: if he still disagrees, if this person is still like in rage and says, "I don't want to listen to anything that you've said, anything to the who the well, you know uh, what the what the um, uh, wise people or trusted people have advised and said and encouraged," I'm just rejecting everything there may be a place where it needs to be publicly known. And so point number six is make it publicly known. And then in brackets, you have to put, this is situational only. Because this whole making it publicly is only in situational circumstances. It's based on if someone is within a church and has a role you know, that requires for, you know, the entire church to know some information rather than letting you know gossip and, and let things like that to kind of get around and for everybody to learn of the information like that. It would be a lot easier to make things known clearly, publicly addressed so that way you avoid gossip, you avoid people who are assuming things and may not know what they're speaking or from what, you know, what kind of advice to give. That's really the only situation where things like this would be made uh, public, because one of the biggest things is G- one of the biggest things that Jesus cares about is protecting the church and making sure that those who have vile intent, who are just hurting the church, don't have an end to basically destroy a church. And so, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a church context. And that's the only time when it's like, you know what, this may need to be made publicly known. But again, make sure you add those brackets. This is situational only. If you have a situation where you're dealing one-on-one and you've been able to deal with it, don't make it publicly known. That's not healthy. If you have a situation where you're involved, your pastors, and you are able to deal with it, don't make it publicly known. Keep it to yourself. That's not healthy. But there are isolated situations where people are like, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to listen. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what you have to say. I'm rejecting your leadership, rejecting your leadership. That is so situational when it comes to that point where it's like, this needs to be made publicly known for the sake and the health of a church. And potentially for the sake and the health of even a person. So that's point number six. And then the last thing that Jesus says, which is my point number seven, is this. Be at peace that you can't win everyone. Jesus says there, right, lastly, to treat that person like a Gentile. Basically what he means is treat him like an outsider. Treat him like someone who's not a part of the family. Treat him as someone who's basically, because of the rebellion, because of their rejection, have said, I want no part of you because I don't care enough to actually change or accept what you're saying or receive what you're saying. And so really what I see Jesus saying there is learn to be at peace that you can't win every person. That there are some people who have hardened their hearts so much that they're like, I don't even... Want to understand logic or accept logic and reason. Seven points, crucial points, especially that last one, because some of us may have situations like that. Because the moment I spoke about unforgiveness, you're like, oh man, I gotta go back and talk to those people again. I'm like, well, it depends. How have you dealt with the situation? Have you had a healthy approach? Have you tried, you know, going in with the right clarifying questions? Have you tried? having a healthy conversation, not assumptions, not accusations, but healthy conversation? Have you involved trusted people who are actually skilled in being able to maneuver through a conversation and help you through that? If you've done all of that and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've reached a point where that person is just callous and hardened, you have to be able to be okay with, you know what, I'm not gonna win every single one of them. I did my best, I did as much as I could, and unless Someone else is willing to change. I can't force change on anyone else, right? So in a gist, there is a step-by-step process in learning how to deal with conflict, which for us disciples of Jesus, this is so important that we get this right because we set a bad example for the rest of the world when we don't know how to deal with conflict. When we build churches up or groups or settings up where we're all hush-hush and we don't, we don't talk about How we really feel, you know, we just talk about the things that are socially acceptable and and we're not open to actually, you know, God working on the deeper parts of our life, church. This is where true tranquility is found. This is where true tranquility is found. When we're able to say, Jesus, I am going to follow you and obey you even in this part of my life. I am going to deal with conflict in a healthy way. I'm gonna approach the person Me and that person alone. Deal with it and approach it as each situation goes forward. And this is the foundation that we need because what this does is it'll help us avoid so many uh, 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 times in our past where we've held unforgiveness on the inside. Where even now you might be at home feeling bitter towards someone And it may not actually be because that person did that or said that or meant that, but purely because you've not even given them a chance to talk to you about it. You may be at home hurting for no reason except your own mistakes. And that's what I believe Jesus wants you to be free of. And so my encouragement to you, church, is learn how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. Learn how to manage the, the arguments, the conflict, when someone, and, and you'll get this, when you're trying to be peaceful and you're like, you know what, let me get my seven points out that Pastor Ruben told me about, you know? They might start mocking you, made fun of you. I've, I've had that before. Stick to it. Endure, it's okay. Sometimes what, what people will do is they'll mock you because they're trying to, you know, take their slice at you, they're angry at you. That's okay. Learn to, to show the love of Jesus and say, you know what? If this will mean that you and I can continue to live at peace with each other and love each other and not have this huge hurdle of hatred and bitterness, it's worth it, it's worth it. I'll take whatever you're gonna give me now, it's worth it because guess what? That is what true love looks like. And that's where tranquility is truly found. Next week. I mean, I hope you come next week because this is just part one of the whole sermon. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, in, in fact, just follow the rest of the story where Jesus, as soon as he does this, he goes and he says, well, Peter actually asks a question. He's like, what am I supposed to do, forgive my brother so many times? And Jesus addresses the importance of forgiving. How can we forgive when someone has hurt us deeply? If you want to go ahead and read and be studious and just kind of, you know, get your notes early and do that. Read the rest of Matthew chapter 18 from where we left off and you'll, you'll, you'll get an idea and a flavor and next week you'll come a little bit more prepared. But that's where I want to leave you today. I want to encourage you to start applying these seven healthy habits to dealing with conflict in your life today. Learn to have those healthy conversations. It's going to feel weird to begin with. Let me tell you, the first time I started doing it, I'm like, this feels robotic. I don't like it. But I've realized the more I practice them, the more I'm actually a lot more comfortable. The more I start to actually naturally think in this way. Where I ask myself a clarifying question to begin with. Where I clarify my intentions from the get-go. That where I ask, a, uh, you know, where, where, I, where I enter a, a fight where, w- with, a, with a conversation. Not a, you know, fists up, ready to go. And then move forward from there. Let me pray. Jesus, you know, even as we um, are at home and might be feeling good, Lord God, you know how often we get in those places where somebody hurts us and we feel tension, we feel the stress of that, the worry, the anger. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to deal with conflict in a healthy way the way you've taught us to jesus approaching the person being clear not willing to just settle for for nothing but but holding on to the promise that if we approach things the right way if we honor you in all the things that we do Lord jesus we will win in the end. And that's not me or us against somebody else, but it's to win together as a church. It's to win as a community. Lord God, this is a huge part of our witness as, uh, for the gospel as well. When our community is able to see us having healthy relationships with each other. We don't have to be hurting on the inside. We don't have to share you know, subliminal messaging. We don't have to... Um, undercut people with our words. We don't have to use sarcasm as a a mask. But Lord Jesus, we can embrace what it means to just be honest and truthful and loving. Learning to deal with these things from the get-go in a healthy way to avoid what happens later which leads us to unforgiveness. So Jesus, help us. Help us to deal with these in the right way from the beginning. Not only with our relationships at Zoe, Father, but with every relationship at home, at work, at school. Jesus, I pray you would be with us this week, that you would continue to help us to fix our eyes on you, that as we live for you, as we serve you, Jesus, that you would fill us with faith, that you would encourage us with hope that your hand of blessing would be upon us this week. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. Have a great week, Zoe. Love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Peace.